Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. I hope everyone has been busy with the harmonic and melodic workouts for the key of E-flat major and working on playing the Rogers and Hart standard Blue Moon. Just a little reminder that you have one more week to enjoy the key of E-flat major because next week, guess what? we begin tackling the key of A-flat major. (laughs) So next week, next week, the key of E-flat major will be over. It's gone. We will be turning our back to E-flat major as we plow ahead with our harmonic and melodic workouts for the key of A-flat major. But today, you get to enjoy my interview with jazz pianist and composer Martin Listabarth an up-and-coming young lion in the jazz world. Martin resides in Vienna, Austria, and has just released his second solo album called Dedicated, in which he dives deep into the topic of personal inspirations, resulting in an album that combines tonal elegance and musical ingenuity with playfulness, wit, and a heavy dose of storytelling. Now, of course... It's not unusual for a musician to dedicate an album or a song to someone that has been influential in their life. But Martin takes it a step further, a big step further, using the story of 10 people who have fascinated and inspired him as the basis of 10 highly original compositions. It's fantastic. And I'm telling you right now, you will be captivated when listening to his album, Dedicated. Musically speaking, one jazz critic rightfully notates it's a treasure trove of solo piano technique running the full spectrum from soft and melancholic to dramatic and bold. Shimmering classical-inspired ballads give way to blues-infused vamps and high-octane swing. <laughs> I could not agree more. Martin's debut solo album, Short Stories, is another collection of compositions that you need to check out as well. And after spending time with Martin, I could go on and on, but I want to jump into the interview. Now, you can listen to the audio version of this episode through any of the popular podcast directories, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Pandora, on and on and on. Or you can go directly to the Jazz Piano Skills Podcast website, jazzpianoskillspodcast.com, where you can also enjoy the video of the show as well, which, of course, I strongly recommend. Now, it is my great pleasure and honor to welcome to Jazz Piano Skills, Mr. Martin Listabarth. Martin, I am so thrilled to have you on Jazz Piano Skills, man. We have been trying now for... A couple months to get this, you know, arranged and set up. And, uh, you know, it's it's exciting because Jazz Fuel reached out to me mm-hmm. several months ago and introduced me to you. And uh, I was immediately blown away by your playing. Wow. And, Thank you. Uh, oh, my gosh. You, you are you are one of the young lions, up and coming superstars in, in the music world, in the jazz world. <laughs> and so I was so very grateful that Jazz Fuel uh, connected me and introduced me to you. And uh, it was just a natural fit to have you on Jazz Piano Skills because uh, 
I, I love introducing new artists, new musicians, new jazz pianists to the jazz piano skills community. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, you're you're in Vienna, Austria. Is that correct? I'm in Vienna, Austria. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're doing we're doing a little international international work here on jazz piano skills. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so listen, we have a lot to talk about today, a ton, uh, and there's no better place to start than at the very beginning. So I want to, I just want to turn the uh, microphone over to you right now and let you introduce yourself to the Jazz Piano Skills community. Tell us about Martin. Tell us about your childhood, how you got into music, uh, your education, your background, what you're doing today, and so forth. So give give us all the scoop on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Vienna in the family where both of my parents um, play piano just for fun but this was the first time I was immediately drawn to this instrument and so I my biggest wish was to start learning the piano very early and so I received um, classical piano lessons at the age of five and but from the very beginning on I was also very um, interested in playing around with bits and bytes of the pieces I was supposed to learn. So this was my natural way to go into improvising, even if I didn't know the term for this. <laughs> right. So so you were you were taking bits and pieces of classical music. Of classical music. You, right. And you were and messing around with it. I'm I was messing around with them and changing the rhythm, changing the harmonies and, and oh, man, I, to, to make I'm stuff with sure, it. I'm I'm shocked you didn't get kicked out of the classical world, man. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, man. I'm, I'm I'm proud of you. That's awesome. So, okay, go ahead. And my my parents were also listening to a lot of classical music, so this was, um, of course, my my first big influence. Um, um surrounded by music, and so I've I've listened to a lot of Bach and. Brahms and um, yeah, that's that's still one of my favorite composers up to up to now. And I was also singing in the choir, which was also very um, wow. supporting for um, doing music with others. Um, and you have all ear training and this stuff right. going going along with going along naturally with this. And I have also three brothers. They are triplets. <laughs> wow. all, all, all three of them are playing, um, were playing instruments, um, cello, trumpet, and drums. And so a very weird combination. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, right. But they were my first victims. Um, and for, <laughs> they had my compositions to play. <laughs> so oh, that's I write, so funny. I, I write little pieces um, for this crazy, <laughs> crazy ensemble, and yeah, they had to play them. <laughs> so it was cello. Wait a minute, cello, trumpet, drums, and you. Yes, <laughs> correctly. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting combo there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. We have some recordings, but I'm not sure if I I want to listen back to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So, okay, so you grew up, your, your parents are musicians then, right? Your parents? And they're not professional musicians. They're both teachers, but for different subjects. 
Okay, got it. But they have a obviously they have a, a love for the arts. They have a love for music. Got you in the music at a very young age. It's you know you're playing. It's 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 quite obvious in your playing that you have a strong classical background. Um, <clears throat> your technique and your whole approach to the instrument. It's it's wonderful. It sounds fabulous. So okay, so where did you go to school? Did you did you did, you know you studied uh, academically? Where did you where did you study music? Um, yes, it's um, on the University of Performing Arts in um, Music and Performing Arts in Vienna, okay. and I I'm really grateful for my for my great jazz piano teacher, um, a really really cool who, guy. Who was, who, who was it? Who was he? Who who taught you um, jazz? His his name is um, Heribert Happy Kolich. <laughs> um, yeah, right. That rolls off the tongue. He's an he's an Austrian Austrian guy, but he's um, but he has played with some of the um, of the great um, American jazz um, musicians as well. Um, for example, with Art Farmer, oh, um, wow. there you and, go, man. and wow. guys like that. So there was really a lot I I could learn from him, and I'm really thankful for this opportunity. And he was there at the university, and he was there teaching at the university in Vienna. Oh wow, that's fantastic! You know, before we go any further, I want to I want to let the jazz piano skills listeners know you, you had mentioned to me right before we we started the the show and started recording. This is your first interview in English, is that right? Yes, that's it's, right, and and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're doing fantastic, man! It's just awesome. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so okay, so before you got to the university, were you were you exposed? I, you had to be right. You were exposed to jazz before you got to the university. You didn't get to the university and all of a sudden get of introduced course, to jazz. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when did you get introduced to jazz? You were doing classical music as a young child. When did the jazz, mm -hmm. when did the jazz influence start to happen? I think it started at my teenage age. Um, when I was, um, when I was listening at, at to a lot of pop and rock music and, um, to Radiohead, for example, and then right. I found out that there was a guy, Brad Mildow, <laughs> who was oh, yeah. <laughs> who was doing who was doing cover versions of Radiohead songs, and this really hooked me. So this was my first introduction to jazz. And then of That's course, a great first introduction. And then of course I was hooked, and I tried to find tried to find everything out about Brad Mildow, his music, his recordings, and yes, that was my starting point. Oh, that is fantastic. You know, um, so it's interesting. You know, as a child, then you were doing classical music and you just kind of instinctually, without really knowing anything about jazz, you were just kind of instinctually manipulating the music and kind of improvising and recreating. Uh, and that was happening before you actually formally got introduced to jazz. That's true, yeah. But wow. I've. And and then it was like a revelation to see that jazz is the art form where you can where, where can do this and where you have this playful approach to music and that's what I I love about this so much. Right, right. So okay, so you get to the university, you get introduced to jazz. Is your degree is that a degree in jazz, a, 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 like a bachelor's degree in jazz that you yes, learned there at the it's, university? It's a degree. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, so at some point, you know, you went to the university, you started studying jazz. At, was it at that point then that you kind of made this shift 
from classical music to leaning more toward the jazz, or are are, are you doing both equally at the same time? Um, no, it, it was at this time where it shifted more to the jazz side. Um, okay. And I, I wouldn't consider myself myself as a classical pianist, but I, but of course I still have a, a huge love for this for this music. That's that's for sure. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about uh, talk to us a little bit about the jazz scene in Vienna, Austria. Uh, obviously, it must be uh, pretty significant, right? They they're offering a degree there at the university, so I'm thinking that there must be a demand, an interest. Uh, what What's the jazz scene like in Vienna, Austria? Mm -hmm. I think there's um, there's a lot of things changing and, and a lot of things going on in the last couple of years. And that's a good development because right. there are more and more more players. And we have, um, there's one big jazz club in town, which is called Porgy and Bess, which is really, oh. um, which is really, really great one where you can see all the great guys from America and and elsewhere playing there. So, um, and there are a lot of young young bands um, playing playing their own version of jazz music, um, which is quite interesting, and there are a lot of interesting guys around. Wow, that's that's wonderful. So, have you been to the United States? No, not yet, but of course, it's a dream for me to <laughs> visit the States and yes. Yeah, I bet your first stop's going to be New York City, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Birdland, going to the jazz clubs, and right? Of course, uh, I, I have oh, to do yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, right? All right, so you got, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple projects that you've done. You've got a couple albums that you've recorded um, most recently, this second, your second one de called dedicated. Yeah. Right. And, uh, your, your first album was called short stories. Am I correct? Yeah. L let's talk about these two projects because they're fascinating. You're, you're, you're playing on these recordings on these albums are it's just tremendous. It's very captivating. You know, I, uh, when I was first introduced to it by Jazz Fuel, you know, I clicked on and started listening to you. And I got to be honest, man, a lot of times I start listening and maybe somebody might hold my attention for a few minutes and then I'm like, okay, I, I, got, I got it, right? But for you, <laughs> but for you, but for you, your music is so unique in your playing and your sound. Uh, I hit the play button and I kind of settled back into my chair here in the office and I literally just kept listening and kept listening and kept listening. So that's a, you know, I, it's a great compliment, man. Wow. You thank you me. so much. much yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you sucked me in, man. So I, I really enjoy your playing. So talk about those projects, uh, short, short stories and dedicated. Talk about those for mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Um, Starting with my with my first solo album, um, short stories, there was the idea of um, transferring my um, autobiographical experiences into music. Right. So that's um, why the title is short stories. Um, it was um, influenced by by experiences, people I've met. There's one song from my grandma from my grandmother um, who I didn't. Nice. 
who I didn't know in person because she died at very young age. So everything I know about her is from pictures and stories about her. And from wow. these stories, I've tried to uh, I've tried to figure out my musical picture of of her. And so uh -huh. this was one way of where web which yeah where pieces developed. And yeah. I've always loved um, to have some out of music inspiration for my pieces and then trying to figure out how I could um, yeah how, how I could transfer this to music. Yeah, that's fascinating, right? We always think about music having an influence on culture, it, it, but you know culture and and relationships and people have influence on our music. And that's what you're trying to bring to the surface, the influences, uh, the important influences in your life yeah. uh, from the, the, the people that you have known or you've experienced through literature, the influence that they have had on you personally, and then expressing that influence through your music. And the fascinating thing about it is that it makes life so more exciting because everything could be a could be a source for the next piece. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's really, it's, it's quite fascinating. So, okay. So what about dedicated, you know, you have several influences there. Talk to us a little bit about some of the influences in with uh, dedicated that you've uh, uh, wrote your compositions. Cause mm -hmm. you're, you're, re you're very much a, a, a very accomplished composer composer mm -hmm. right we're talking about jazz piano but you're 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 a composer as well and very wow, accomplished man. so right so talk about the compositions in dedicated and how all that came about yeah the idea of dedicated was to um dedicate each piece to one to, uh, one person and and i've and that what that are all persons i I really admire because they, yeah, they have their life or the work they've done has fascinated me very much. So, for example, there's one piece dedicated to Diego Maradona, the famous soccer player. And I noticed that. That was great. And, and of course, Diego Maradona is famous for his, um, for his ability to have a very strong left foot. And so I thought, on piano we have also left and right so i want to find a piece where i can give the left hand a lot to do <laughs> so i try right, to right. to to find a pattern which is um going through the whole piece in the left hand and that was the idea for this piece yeah it's fantastic so um Okay, so what do you have in the works? What do you have in the works right now? Are you do you have a third album that you're currently working on, a third project? And if so, how are you approaching that one? Mm, at the moment, I'm I'm working a lot with my with my current trio, um, classic jazz piano trio with drums and bass, and we are we are playing. Um, a lot of my compositions from my two album short stories and dedicated, but I'm also um, trying to write some some new stuff for for this trio. Yes, and that's probably the next upcoming yeah. project yeah, I, I want I, to record. Yeah, I listened to your trio. In fact, last night I listened. I was sitting down listening to your trio. You have some, I think, videos at you on your YouTube yeah, that, channel. Yeah, some videos. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that too. The whole trio approach is very unique. It's a very unique. Uh, I, I like it a lot. It's a great sound. 
So I'm anxious to hear uh, when you finally, uh, with your trio, maybe do a do an album, do a do a recording with the trio. That would be great. Yeah, that's that, that's probably my my next steps and plans. Yeah. Yeah, that's tremendous. So okay, so I just want to let all the you know all you listeners, jazz piano skills listeners, you have to check out uh, Martin's uh, you know dedicated and uh, short stories performing and they can do that right right at your website also at youtube correct yes and they're all and you'll find it on spotify and all the streaming platforms right. As well. right okay awesome so now let's talk about let's talk a little bit about jazz piano okay and then we'll, we'll talk about composing and composition here a little bit too but but i want to start with jazz piano and um i want to talk about i want you to share a little bit about how you practice you know some of the you know everybody Every student, every everyone who is getting into the art form of jazz and trying to develop their skills as a jazz pianist, I think uh, everyone is quite aware of the importance of technical skills. You know, uh, mm -hmm. learning scales and learning arpeggios; those seem to be some of the first skills right out of the box that that every aspiring jazz piano has to confront and has to deal with. So let's talk a little bit about how you have approached the study of scales and arpeggios and the application of those skills in your own playing. Can you share a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. um, I think um, due to my classical background, I, I was quite familiar with, um, with this kind of scale practicing and arpeggio practicing um, from right. from very young age and this um, this probably helped me a lot um, when when being introduced to to jazz music because um, yes I, I was still f familiar to to this kind of practicing and but but with all the great music of classical composers you always um, have the opportunity to see where um, these great composers put these arpeggios and scales right. into music. Yeah, right. And make right. them sound good. <laughs> right. And that's what we need as jazz musicians as well, of course. Right. So do you, from a jazz per perspective, do you practice the scales the same way as you do from a, a, a classical perspective? I mean, do you practice, Are you? do you have vari various ways in which you approach practicing the scales? Or do, or do you kind of just bring the classical, your classical training? You know, in, cl in the classical world, we're always taught, you know, practice scales one octave, two octave, three octave, four octave, right? We're doing yeah. like scales and quarter notes and eighth notes and triplets and 16. You know, you know the routine, right? I mean, this is what we're taught in the in the in our classical piano lessons. But is that is that how you practice the scales, or did you start adding variations to the way in which you practice scales that deviated from that traditional classical approach? I think the the most important aspect is um, which I want to want to practice when I practice scales is the rhythmic aspect that I'm ah. I, I always practice with metronome when I play. In, when I'm playing some scale stuff, and um, I try to to play patterns within the scale, and yes, um, put them to yeah, through, put them through the whole scale, but always with a metronome and and trying to be steady in rhythm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, right? Because we get stuck in a rut playing the scale the same way, just going up and going down, and, and yeah. we don't we we don't. Uh, 
we typically do not spend time creating variations within the scale rhythmically, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's uh, very good. You know, one of the things I'm curious, one of the things that I do that I practice and I have students practice is I always have students uh, practice scales from different entry points. So they're never, you know, they become root independent. So we're not always starting the scale on, you're not always starting the C major scale on C. Yeah. Right. Starting it from different points, like the third or the fifth or the seventh and, and having a different entry point and a different destination point. Uh, so you're actually kind of rotating that scale, you know, uh, seeing it from different angles. Do you do, you do any of that kind of practice? with the scales? That's great. And it's, it's so important because that's hopefully the way you you'll put them into music when you're um, finally playing and not starting on on one all the time and also rhythmically not always starting on beat one with your scale or your scale pattern fantastic that's right that is very that's very very good not starting on one we do that Trying all the time to start too. what it what it sounds if you start on beat two on beat three on beat four or even one end or something like this <laughs> correct on the on the on the back on the beat, right on the upbeat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. And, and, and I, and the same thing with our arpeggios, right? Um, you know, we, we tend to get in this rut of practicing from the root to the root, but we don't hear music from the root to the root. You're no. right. Music is not, that's not how music not works. Nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, I like practicing arpeggios to the ninth or to the 11th or to the 13th. So I'm hearing those, I'm hearing those sounds. You do that kind of practicing as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm probably um, more more into practicing um, certain certain phrases I like. Um, um, maybe we come to this point later. But um, transcribing is of course very important for me. And um, if I transcribe and I found one phrase which, for example, um, introduces an arpeggio in a very clever way then I, I want to keep this phrase and practice this phrase because so I have a natural natural entry point how something some one of the great masters put these arpeggios into music. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, transcribing, let's talk about that a little bit because everybody, you know, every jazz musician has a little different approach to transcribing. In fact, I just uh, did an interview recently with John DiMartino who um, he actually said he doesn't transcribe. He, mm -hmm. he just doesn't transcribe, you know. Uh, and then you have other musicians, you know, like a, like a, uh, Michael Brecker, who used to say that he kind of, I think from what I'm hearing you say, he, he would like, if he heard something that he liked, he would transcribe that. He wouldn't necessarily transcribe the entire the entire solo or the entire composition. Um, and, then, and then other jazz musicians do sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to take this Art Tatum, uh, version of T for two, and I'm going to transcribe it from the beginning to the end. And the I'm like, end holy, yeah. holy cow. Wow, so yeah. how, where do you, where, where do you fall in that spectrum? Do you, are, are you kind of listening and then kind of going like, wait a minute, what is that? And then you, and then you go transcribe that and then apply it. Is that what yeah, I'm hearing? Yeah, you say? I think that certainly changed over the years that when I was at the very beginning of my journey to chess, um, I was, also the transcribing whole complete solos because I, I wanted to get everything at once. <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and this was just too much information for me. To oh my God. Oh, right. It's like overload. 
it's it's like overload and you can't you can't you can't use it <laughs> um right you have this, you have this complete this um so complete transcribed soul and it was a load of work but you yeah there's nothing you can do with this at, at this stage at least and yeah right right um, well and you know And would you agree with this? I, you know, I, I've always told students that, you know, the whole point of transcribing is to discover you. That's really what transcribing is about. Yeah. A lot of times we think that, oh, I'm going to take a Bill Evans solo. I'm going to transcribe this Bill Evans solo and somehow make that solo kind of my own that I can replicate it or play chunks of it whenever I want to in, a, in another piece of music. And I go like, well, that's not really what transcribing is about. Transcribing really is about allowing, you know, allowing Bill Evans to help you find you. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. And that's also the, the reason why I don't like it if people ask, for example, what should I transcribe? Because you should transcribe what you love most and what you, um, right. What, right. Yeah, and, and you feel it, what, what this is and that you should transcribe and there you should search and yeah, trying to find the things in music that you love most. Right, right. Fascinating. Okay, so um, along those lines, because transcribing obviously is important for ear training, it helps us develop our ears. But what what other ways in which what are some other ways that you worked on developing your ears uh, uh, to be, uh, you know, jazz ears? What what are some other ways in which you approached ear training? Um. I I tried to learn jazz standards by by ear by listening to my favorite versions of of jazz yes. standards. And yes. that's my go-to way to to learn new jazz standards. And yeah. and and yeah, through this you you learn a lot about ear training as well, <laughs> not just the songs but also about ear training. Yeah, I I I try to stress to students all the time, you know, if you want to learn a a jazz standard well first learn the melody by ear just go to the piano yeah. and start picking off just play the melody by ear do not go to a fake book or a real book or whatever and try to and, and read it just go play it by ear now martin i this may shock you but i have some students who who'd, who'd rather go to the fake book or go to the real book and and just learn the melody out of the out of the off the piece of paper but i think it's i think it's great ear training just to sit down and poke out melodies Yeah, and 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 at the beginning you don't have to be too shy to just um, do small portions. Maybe it's just the first eight bars, and that's okay, and that's enough. That is, that's, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, but yeah, you right. have more from this than just looking at, up at in a fake book. <laughs> You are absolutely 100% correct, my friend. That is exactly right. And you know what's funny is you start playing by, here's what's really funny. You start playing, picking out melodies by ear and you start getting good at it. You'll never go back to reading again. You don't want to go, you don't want to try to read it. You'll just play it by ear. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's so great yes. about it. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So improvisation, right? There's a lot of, in your playing, And you're playing, obviously, you know, I know you're a composer, but, and you have compositions, but in your compositions, obviously, when you listen to you, there is a lot of improvisation going on. So how, this is an interesting question, and, and I want you to kind of reflect upon this and try to articulate it the best you possibly can here, but how do you practice improvisation? 
And, and, and see, and that's kind of a funny question, right? Because I think most people think that, well, wait a minute. Isn't that a contradiction? I mean, practicing improvisation, shouldn't improvisation be improvised, but you th- right? But that's yeah. not that's not it, right? That's we know that's a fallacy. So how do you practice improvisation? Yeah, that that's a hard question because um <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it's so hard to find a good solution how to how to practice improvisation and to to make steps forward in this. And I think you, um, what's the most dangerous thing is to not practice improvisation because then you all <laughs> always play the same things over and over again. I, of course, right. every one of us have our favorite <laughs> patterns. Of lit- course. Um, of course, and that's then that's also okay because yeah, that's that's kind of what your sound is, and that's 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 absolutely fine. But if I want to um, grow, I have to I have to kick myself out of my comfort zone, and that's um, yeah. Maybe I yeah. can do this while my practice sessions. And one way I try is to um, um, I, I'll try this is to. Um, start a solo and have um, have a different concept in mind every time I play one chorus, for example. And I say, and I say, okay, I'm playing this um, chorus, um, and I play um, as less notes as possible. And ah, right. And the next chorus, I say, okay, let's do another one. I just want to um, do a very um, um, a solo with much chords in it and um, heavy voicings and stuff like that. And right. then it's the next turn and I say, okay, what's about playing some fast lines now? Right, right. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because what you're saying, I totally concur with. I agree with you 100%. What you're doing is you're actually establishing a criteria uh, for uh, that chorus right you're saying here's what i'm going to do during this course and then you stick to that criteria for instance what i like to do and i have students do is like we i might have them like take just a simple progression like a two five one progression right and and i'll have them i set up some criteria saying that you're going to use ascending motion on the two chord descending motion on the five chord ascending motion on the one chord so we create this kind of ascending descending ascending line and and i'll go that's right the shape right and then and then i'll even go further and say you're going to ascend using scale motion you're going to descend using arpeggio motion and you're going to ascend using scale motion right so so i set up this criteria that we go this is what we're going to do as we improvise over this two five one and then we might go from one key to another key to another key to do that right so I think that's a I think that's really important when practicing improvisation mm-hmm. to actually have some very rigid parameters put in place in order yeah. that you can develop improvisational skills and see and, that, and that's a kind of a dichotomy as well. We always yeah, say, that's well, also wait, wait a paradox a as well, yeah, because you have it, to be right. you have to be very strict and very um, very strict, and then you can and then freedom could come within these restrictions. That's, Right. That's right. That's right. You know, there's an old expression, you know, there's an old expression. What do you call a river without banks? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is it's a swamp. It's a swamp, right? 
it's out of control. And so in music, in improvisation, we, we have to practice with these banks in yeah, order have, to develop. To it, yeah. Correct. That's right. And yeah. also, and so, this reminded me, on, on, for example, you can practice um, motivic development in, in this way very you, important. You, des you described it. For example, just take one small motif, um, could be three notes, could be four notes, and try to, um, try to put it to different chords and make it, make it work to, for different chords in, in your yeah. progression. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's very powerful. That's a very powerful approach. Um, so do you do that? Do you do like a lot of um, where you uh, extract like a harmonic motion, like a two, five, one, you know, one, six, two, five, one, some kind of turnaround and then focus on that and, and practice improvisation that way? Or is it always in the context of a song? No, it's not always in the context of a song. I, okay. I, I, I always love to play around with just little little parts of chord progressions and and, and trying to do um, to do some improvisation with this because it's easier to um, yeah it's easier to have the have everything in one place and not not right. always a right. whole song. Right. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you were saying about ear training, you know, just playing eight measures, learning eight measures. Right. I think it's the same kind of approach in that you go like, look, I'm just going to take some kind of harmonic motion, common motion that I, I see in all these tunes. I'm going to take that common motion and I'm going to explore that and maybe move it around to different mm -hmm. keys. I, I think that's a very effective and efficient way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now, um, Let's talk about, you know, another thing that's really striking when I listen to you play is uh, your approach to voicing. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as a composer, obviously your compositional skills have a great influence on this and vice versa. How do you approach the study of and the practice of voicings on the piano? Mm -hmm. I, I I think... I, my, my, my first jazz piano teacher um, gave me the, at, at the university. It was, it was before university. It was oh, okay, in, okay. in my teenage years. And he gave okay. me this um, book of the Mantooth voicings. I don't oh, know. Oh, Frank Man, the, the Frank Mantooth voicings. Yeah. Where, with the uh, chordal, the, the fourthy shapes. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, this one. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great book. So, so that was your. Was that your first book, uh, first uh, introduction to voicings? That was my first introduction to voicings, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, tell your piano teacher he did really good because that's a great, that's a great book. You, man, that was, that's awesome. That's a great book to sink your teeth into. And, and he really thrilled me to, um, to practice every voicings in every key and every progression in every key. And every week we, we do some stuff out of this book. Yeah, um, yeah. Frank Frank Mantooth is a, a fellow University of North Texas, North Texas State graduate. That's where I did my, that's where wow. I did my uh, my master's and my doctorate degree. I was at North Texas, and Frank Mantooth uh, was a, a graduate of UNT as well. Wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's great. Um, so okay, so. So from there, then what happened? That's a great introduction to voicing. How did you? How have you shaped it? Uh, uh, shaped voicing to become personal, to become yours. Um, I have to say, this is um, 
probably from 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 listening listening to music I love because I am um, okay then I had this um, I had this concept of mentor voicings and you can find um, um, much music where pianists use these voicings but then there are other stuff um, probably more modern jazz more contemporary jazz where you find um, a lot of different sounds. And I was always curious, okay, what about these sounds? Where did they come from? Um, for example, right. Meldau's voicings are completely different. I don't think he uses Mantis voicings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure he studied them, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, um, yes, but then it, I tried to figure out, okay, what, what kind of voicings he is using. And, right. and and that influenced me a lot. Trying right. to figure out um, why, what voicings my heroes are using. Right. So um, that's that's fascinating. So compositionally, then, when you sit down to compose your uh, your pieces, and 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 you would you would describe your compositions as jazz compositions. I, I would describe them as jazz compositions because there are always parts where there is um, improvisation and that's what I, I love about these um, compositions because I when, when I play them live, I don't want them to play every time the same. So I, I'm, right. I'm really grateful about that I have the opportunity to have these improvisation parts in it. Right. So, how do you approach your comp- how do you approach your composition as a as a jazz pianist? Do you start with, uh, do you start melodically? Do you start harmonically? Do you start rhythmically? How do you when you sit down like you're going to sit down this afternoon and you're going to start composing a jazz a jazz piece? Uh, how how do you Martin? How do you approach that? Um, there's a lot of um, ideas coming from just playing and messing around at the piano and maybe I'll find some some wamp some chord progression I like and and maybe some maybe some groove or kind of uh-huh. rhythmic context I want to play this chord progression in and then I'll take this as a starting point um, because you asked what is the first thing and it's mostly harmony and rhythm I would say <laughs> Yeah, right. So you, yeah, you, 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 set, you, you start kind of with a harmonic motion, a, 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 a groove, yeah. and then, and then, and then from there, melody will come to you uh, from that groove that's and from right. that harmonic progression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause that's always fascinating, right? Everybody, it's kind of like the chicken and egg with, you know, which came first, mm-hmm. the chicken or the egg, right? I, I get that question all the time. You know, when, when I said, when composers write, do, do, do they start with a melody do, or do they start with harmony or start with rhythm? And uh, I always, I always tend to answer that question that it's not an either or because uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a both and right. Because you, you may find that all of a sudden a melody pops in your head and you, and you start from that perspective, uh, one, one time. And then another mm-hmm. time it may be the harmonic motion is what triggers it, or it could be another time the, the rhythm that triggers it. Right. So yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not it, one way or the other. It's, it's, it's a combination of all. When it, what's, when it, what's your approach? I'm always curious. What's your approach to to composition well uh 
I I tend to because I think as piano players we tend to approach things typically most of the time harmonically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. We tend to start with a harmo- harmony and a groove, like what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're kind of conditioned that way, right? We're kind of trained yeah. that way. That, that's a piano right? player thing. <laughs> that, that's a, it's a it's a piano player thing, right? Um, so I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I, I lean more that way than the other. However, what's really important, what's really ironic about that, it's when it's all said and done, the most important thing that always surfaces is melody. Mm-hmm. It is melody. So if you have a strong melodic line, I always tell students, and I tell them this too with regards to improvisation, harmony will always bow to melody. Yeah. If you if you have a strong melodic idea, you can have all kinds of weird harmonic stuff under underneath that. And but it, it will always work. That that's exactly right. If you have a strong melodic idea, on the other hand, though, if your if your melodic idea is weak, like if you're improvising and you have really weak melodic ideas, harmony will expose you. Harmony will harmony will devour you because it will just show that you're 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 wandering, right? Yeah. So so if if your melody is strong, your harmony bows, and it, and and if your melody is weak, your harmony will dominate and expose yeah. you. Do you agree with that? <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, all right. So talk uh, talk a little bit about your influences because when I listen to you play. I sit there. One of the questions I asked myself when I was listening to you play, man, who does he sound like? Who who does who are his influences? And, right, because a, a, a lot of your mind. and what popped uh, in your mind? Oh my gosh, man! Uh, it's you know um, I'm going to tell you one piano player that popped into my mind, and um, I'm sure you're aware of him. I Joe Sample. Are you aware of Joe Sample? Yeah, Joe Sample, of course. Yeah. Uh, I I thought I, last night I was listening. I said, "Man, he sounds." There's I hear some Joe Sample in there. Um, uh, I hear influences from Keith Jarrett in mm-hmm. your playing. Um. So, but but it's interesting because I was trying to figure out who would be your most influential artist and musician. So share with us. Who who influenced and inspired? Who inspires you? Um, yeah, as I said before, um, Brad Meldau is of course one of my biggest influences because and 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 and, and it's obvious. That's obvious too. I, I hear that in your playing as well. Yes, and and I think this comes from um, from his his love for classical music as well, and he combines of such a great way. Um, the chess world with um, classical harmonies sometimes, which are right. um, and and that's what I really love about his music and what I'm what I'm trying to do um, as well. And so of of course, Brad Miller is a big influence. Keith Jarrett, his solo concerts in the in the seventies. So that's, that's yeah, that's why I was picking that picking up on that as well. Yeah. I've, I've I've listened a lot to his of all his solo records and I, I really love this stuff, um, and yes, from this um, then I've I wanted to find out okay what what were the guys um, um, who were pre- um, 
<laughs> where where Brad Milder listening to and I, I, ah. I go backwards in chess history to to find out what what might be his influences um so I I I was in so on this way I was introduced to Bill Evans and right. Winton Kelly Winton Kelly I really love for and his voice swinging so amazing <laughs> and, and all the um All the great jazz solo piano players like um, Fats Waller, for example, his stride piano is so amazing. <laughs> and yeah. I've, I've checked some of this stuff out as well. And I, I really love this. Yes. Yeah, that's great, right? We can't, you know, uh, we can't um, ignore history, right? Going back yeah. to like the early players like James, James P. Johnson, uh, Fats Johnson, Waller, yeah. right? Bud Powell, you know, all these all these influential pianists from, from the early days of jazz to, you know, contemporary. And I, I, I always tell students, you just can't jump in at Chick Corea. You got you know, you have to, you have to study jazz history and be aware of, of, of the, um, of the, uh, the evolution of the art form. And in fact, you know, I actually think that evolution uh, is actually our blueprint of study and how mm -hmm. to become an accomplished jazz pianist. I mean, that that how jazz has evolved is that is that is exactly how a student should evolve when when studying music, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I give I get a good example of that would be, you know, if you go back and listen to early jazz, it's obvious that the guys soloing were thinking very vertically, right? It started where, you know, if you have a, a C dominant chord, they're messing around with the notes C, E, G, and B flat. So they're thinking very uh, uh, vertically. And so I would I would encourage students to begin improvising to think very vertically, right? To think C E yeah. if you got a C dominant chord, uh, mess around with the notes C E G and B flat. Yeah, right. And, and try to to make something musical out of this. Yeah, uh, 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 right. And and you can. And, yeah, you can. You can. It's possible. Yeah, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> absolutely. Right. And, and in fact, I can remember when I was doing transcriptions of. Uh, I, I did a lot of transcriptions of Red Garland. I was a big Red Garland. Oh, wow, player. yeah. Right? I loved Red Garland's playing, especially with Miles. And and uh, I can remember transcribing Red Garland, and it would be like an F major chord. And in the trans, I'd transcribe it, and he'd play F-A-C-E in his solo. Mm -hmm. And I'd go, I, and I'd say, that's impossible. That can't be right. And so I'd transcribe <laughs> I would transcribe it again and it come out F-A-C-E and I go, that's not right. It's got to be something because it sounded so good. Yeah. It's, it sounded so good that I thought there's no way that Red Garland could be playing F-A-C-E on an F major seven chord. There's no way. It sounded too good. Yeah, <laughs> I had so many of these moments you have just described where you where you where you listen to something and just say, "Wow, this is so great!" And when you finally have transcribed it, you say, "And and that's it? That that's all?" <laughs> <laughs> that might that actually, my friend, that actually might be the biggest benefit of transcribing because yeah. when you get done transcribing, you go, "That's it? That was it? Yeah." It's But then, good. then you listen back to it, yeah, and it's it's just just the right notes at the right moment, <laughs> right? With the right touch, the right articul, the right articulation, right articulation in the right context, and yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly that's the mystery right. behind it, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, okay, so you've gone back. Obviously, you've done your homework, and you've gone back and you've studied and listened to uh, 
you know, the the old jazzers. You've listened to contemporary jazzers. And so um, who are some of the young pianists that you're listening to? I know you mentioned Brad Moldau, but guess Brad's like kind of an old guy now, you know? Yeah, nowadays. So, yeah. Yeah, right. So who who are some of the who are are there any young influences that you're listening to that are more uh, your age? Because what 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 are you? Like twelve? What are you? Fourteen? You're you look so young, man. Uh, <laughs> 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 a little bit a little bit older than twelve. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I'm 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 thirty one now. <laughs> man, yeah, you're you're a young lion. So who are some of the thirty year olds that you're that yep. are influencing you today? Um, I I really love the music of of Tigran Hamasian, Armenian wow. Armenian chess pianist. Do do you, do wow. you know his music? I, yes, yes. And, so that's awesome. And and he's a really amazing player, and he is so a such a strong rhythmic idea yeah. and unique approach to to rhythm. And right. he. And which I always, which I always like. I love pianists who are who are strong, rhythm, percussive, very percussive. Yeah. Right. And he combines the jazz language with the language of the traditional folk songs in his home country, Armenia. Right. Wow. And that's, that's, awesome. that's really really beautiful music. And one and one other player in in the in his thirties is um, Shai Maestro. Mm. Um, he has played with um, the contrabassist and with the bass player Avishai Cohen a lot. Right, right, right. And now right, he has so. his own quartet, and yeah, that's that's really really beautiful stuff. And I, Shine awesome. is a is a huge one for me. Yeah, there's so many there's so many great players, aren't there? There's so many great players. Yeah. Young, young and old. There's just so many great players. We're so blessed and so fortunate to have so many wonderful influences. And in at the jazz. same time, I'm always afraid that there, there won't be enough time to listen to all the great stuff which is out there. That's right. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. So, so I'm I'm curious. Are you doing any teaching? Are you teaching now? Do you have students that study and work with you? I I have I have some students I teach but um, but not so many and yeah but that's an interesting challenge as well. <laughs> yes, that, well that's right, right? I think and, teaching and, is and so you learn a lot from that. Well, you know, yeah, you know because what teaching requires you to do forces you to do is to articulate verbally your convictions, your musical convictions. Mhm. And uh, the, the the better that you can articulate your musical convictions, the better you will be as a performer. Yeah, and okay. there are always moments when I'm teaching where when I when I say something to my students and um, um, check out this and this, practice this and this, then I I think, oh, I should do this as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so often, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because so often we're teaching the very things that we should do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I to I totally get that. I totally get that. So, um Okay, so what's next? I mean, I know you said you're working with your trio and maybe putting together a trio album. Do you have any uh any engagements coming up? Concerts coming up? When when do you plan on coming to the states and unleashing your music in the United States? When 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 is that on the calendar? 
<laughs> yeah, we, we have to we have to fix something. <laughs> but but there are not no unfortunately there are no plans at at the moment to coming to the states. But hopefully one day maybe we'll see. <laughs> oh, but, that'd be great. That will be great, but there are, there are some concerts in Europe coming up, and I'm really looking forward to this in May and June. I'm playing um, some concerts in Austria, in Germany, in Romania, and yes, that's the, the oh, plan that's, uh, next month. And, and are are those um, concerts notated on your website? Can listeners go to your website and see those dates? Listeners can go to my website and will find all these dates. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I'm I'm hoping that maybe some of those concerts are li uh, have some live streaming uh, that that people can tap into and maybe see uh, see you perform uh, through through technology. That would be fantastic. That would be great, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, really, um, I guess the way we want to kind of conclude and wrap things up, I would love for you just to take a few minutes and give some words of inspiration to all the jazz piano skills listeners who are now studying jazz and, and um, trying to improve their skills as jazz pianists. What are some words of encouragement, some words of inspiration that you can share with the listeners to help them along their journey to becoming an accomplished jazz pianist? I think it's one of the most wonderful journeys you can do because there's so, so, so many great things to discover along the way. And um, I would say just embrace this journey and yeah, and don't, and it's good to have goals and it's good to, um, good to wanting to become better but at the same time you have to appreciate what what's already there and what um, what what you have the opportunity to discover through this music yeah you know you just touched on a really important point as well right so many times with students um they fail to celebrate where they already are musically yeah right you know you do not have to have the technical skills of oscar peterson to play great jazz and to play great music you just yeah. right you, you uh and so i i think what you've what you just said is so very important to be you know to take the time to celebrate where you are in the process uh your, your ability to enjoy and make music right now with the skills that you have and just know that it only continues to get better as you continue to study and and, and as you continue to practice right yeah yeah that's awesome well, Martin, I can't uh, thank you enough for taking time out of your day. What time is it there in Vienna, Austria? I'm just curious. What time? It's 5 o'clock. <laughs> in the afternoon? In the afternoon, yes. 5 in the afternoon? That's nice, right. It's, er it's early here in Dallas, Texas, but I'm glad <laughs> that, we, I'm, I'm glad that we got, uh, we've hooked up and we finally made it happen. We'd yeah, love to so have you come. So glad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so very thankful that Jazz Fuel reached out and uh, introduced me to you. It's been a joy. I'm I'm thankful for our friendship now and look forward to our continued friendship over the years and and uh, look forward to having you back on Jazz Piano Skills soon as yeah, well. I'm looking forward to this too. Yeah. Thanks so, so much uh, for your invitation. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's been it's been my pleasure, and on behalf of all the listeners of Jazz Piano Skills. Thank you, Martin, for uh, sharing your expertise, your wisdom, your talent, your gifts with us today. It's so very much appreciate, appreciated. So uh, I encourage all the listeners to go out and check out Martin. Uh, it's Martin Listebarth, uh, Vienna, 
Austrian jazz, Austria jazz pianist extraordinaire. Go check out his recordings on his website. He's got a lot of stuff posted at YouTube, and uh, uh, you can always reach out to him. They can reach out to you through their through your website of as course. well. Can Every they not? time, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you have any questions for Martin or want to reach out to him, feel free to do so. He will get back to you. And uh, Martin, again, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you so much. All the best. <laughs> well, I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast episode with special guest Martin Listabarth to be insightful and, of course, to be very beneficial. One of my mentors and teachers, Al Franzen, used to say to me after every jazz piano lesson, never forget the greatest thing about music is the people you meet through it. And the privilege of meeting and spending time with Martin simply confirms Al's sentiment 100%. Now, don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time, to discuss this podcast episode featuring Martin Listerbarth in greater detail and, of course, to answer any questions that you may have about the study of jazz in general. As always, you can Reach me by phone through the Dallas School of Music at 972-380-8050. By email, Dr. Lawrence, that's drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com. Or through SpeakPipe, which is a handy, nifty little widget found throughout the entire Jazz Piano Skills website. Well, there is my cue. That's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the pearls of wisdom shared by Martin Listebarth. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.